Good morning, City Lights. It's great to be with you again. We are on location in Sharjah on the border of Oman. A uh, good hour and a half drive. As you can see, there's a, there's a valley below me. Uh, what you can't see, which Bruce may film later, is a, is a mountain above me. And uh, we're talking again about Lift Your Eyes. And uh, this is probably going to be the final week that we talk about on a different location. And uh, that's the title of my message is Lift Your Eyes in Valleys. And uh, the, we hiked down, well, it wasn't really a hike, it was more of a, just a, a stroll slash walk. But we parked the car and then we had to walk down and we were actually in the valley. And you could see that this valley down there, there's some palm trees and it's very fertile. And it's, it's just such an amazing picture of what I'm trying to bring across this morning. So let's be honest, the past six months, seven months of Corona, we've worldwide, maybe personally for some of you, you've been in a valley. It's been tough. Uh, maybe some of you have lost jobs. I know some people have lost family members, friends. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a tough year. And, uh, and what I really felt this morning as I was just praying yesterday is that I just want to speak courage into your hearts. Is that uh, we, we may not be able to see the end of, of what's happening with the coronavirus and the effects it's having on the world. But we need to have courage because we are linked to Jesus Christ. And uh, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 37. So I just went through the scriptures. I looked at different parts of the valley, uh, different, different descriptions of where you see valley in scripture. And what I do keep saying is that we, we can be in a valley, but we're not meant to stay in a valley. Equally, we're not, not meant to stay on mountaintops. We're meant to have this journey where we walk with God in different circumstances. So my first point out of Ezekiel 37 is simply this. In valleys we can prophesy or speak a greater future. So I'm going to read Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on, was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. If we look down, we're in a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and, he's, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I'll make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover your skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you'll know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. Ezekiel. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded and breath entered into them. They came to life, they stood up to their feet and they were a vast army. And I read quite a bit of scripture there, but it's, it really is a, an amazing picture of God speaking a greater future. If you look at the context here, Israel were in a place of no hope. 
And uh, can I say that whatever moment you are in your life where you feel that you're hopeless, God will always come and speak life through his word. I love what, what, he, uh, what God does with Ezekiel. He partners with Ezekiel. He says, what do you see? Can these bones live? And God says, okay, now you need to prophesy. And God puts words in his mouth and he begins to prophesy life into these dry bones. And maybe there's some dry bones that you need to prophesy life into your family family, your future, your finances, whatever it is, God, you get the word of God inside of you, begin to pray it out, proclaim it out, begin to speak God's word and his life over your life. I've been going over some prophetic words that were spoken over my life over the years and just reminding myself of what God has called me to. I'm reminding myself of what, uh, not just what we're living in right now, but what has God called me beyond it? What is the bigness that God has called me to? And I begin to speak it out, pray it out, and then you eventually begin to live it out. And we've had the amazing privilege to prophesy our life. For those of you who know our journey, we, we tried for 10 years to have children. Eventually went through IVF, had these two beautiful twins. We've just celebrated their first birthday, lots of cake, lots of sugar. Needless to say, they got to bed, but then they woke up at two in the morning. But I remember moments, God clearly spoke to Starla. I think it was about seven years ago that she's going to have children. And so she began to just night after night speak and prophesy the word. She, she says every night she'd read over the words that God has spoken to her. And I remember in 2013, probably at a similar time, I had a clear um, encounter with God at, at a Hillsong conference. Carrie Job was leading worship at the end. And I felt God speak to me about what my son is going to do into the future. And, I, and, I've, and I, had, I wrote it down and I began to pray that out, speak it out. And uh, that's how it works. So there's, we, we have to have God's word in our mouth, not our own wants and our own desires. God begins to speak to us. And when he's, when he's spoken his word into our hearts, we begin to pray it back to him. We begin to prophesy into our future. And it's, and it's in a, I wrote this down. Faith is not being able to see something, but fully believe that God is who he says he is. And uh, last year, about a year and two, three months ago, Starla had to go for an operation with, with the babies. And uh, they were still in her womb. And, uh, and it was quite scary. She, she got kind of wheeled off into theater. And they, they said to me, listen, it's going to be half an hour. So I'm like, okay, cool. I've got a scripture. I was just reading scripture. I just praying scripture. I knew, I knew God was with us and I knew the babies were going to be fine but there is still a, a sense of trepidation but an hour later no one's arrived two hours later no one's arrived and now I begin to stress and uh, so I literally get on the floor of the hospital room and I just begin to cry to God and I'm I'm stressed out and anyway so I walk out into the passage and as I walk out this nurse goes don't look so worried your wife is fine I'm like thank you Jesus so the, the obviously the operation was a success but that's sometimes what faith feels like you you know God's going to come through but you you still have this the sense that you have to work through in moments of prayer and sometimes on your face second thing <clears throat> is that valleys cause us to lift our eyes. It's a natural thing. When you're in a valley, Bruce and I walked up this little path, pathway, did a semi-hike with Bruce's kind of semi-broken ankle. And uh, we kind of got halfway, but what it does is that you continually look up. And I think the world wants us to live on mountaintops. And you look at whole companies, tech companies, advertising, they thrive off the next restaurant, the next holiday, the next phone, the next car. And it always wants you to live in the sense of high. Uh, Instagram, social media, all these things just, they, they, they feed towards that sense of high. But I honestly believe we are meant to walk through valleys because they actually make us appreciate the mountaintops. Also, God does stuff in a valley that he would never be able to do on a mountaintop because our hearts get closer to him. We draw in closer to him.
And I want to read out of Luke 3. This is John the Baptist coming on the scene. Luke 3 verse 3, it says, He went into all the country around Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice calling, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, which is like this, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain be made low, the crooked paths shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And obviously John the Baptist there is, is, they're talking about Jesus and John the Baptist soon after that gets to baptize Jesus, he sees the coming Messiah. But if you look at the, the history of Israel, there was about 400, they call it the 400 silent years. There was no prophet. This is that the word of Lord, the word of the Lord was not in Israel. And it was, but there were a few remnant that just stuck to God's word, stuck to his promises, knowing that a Messiah is coming. Jesus comes onto the scene. And he came in a way that the Jews weren't expecting. He came in a way where he came with humility. He came from Nazareth. It was even said of Nazareth that can anything good come from Nazareth? And as we were walking down this valley, there was a few little huts on the hill. And I said to Bruce, I said, this is probably similar to what like Nazareth was back in the day. It was, it was a handful of people, maybe 50 to 70 people. Jesus came from a little town and he obviously ended up changing the world completely. But the Jews would have looked at that and said, this is not the king that we've been praying and waiting for. This is not the king that has been prophesied. They were waiting for this Davidic warrior king who's going to come and set things right and, and kind of obliterate the whole Roman empire. But he didn't. Jesus came in love and he came by his spirits and he, and he changed the, the, the spiritual atmosphere of the world that is just in a total different way. And so often I think when we're in the valley, we're praying for certain things and we're expecting God to come in a certain way. And he comes in a very different way often to what we expect. And we need to be, be able to hear his voice, listen to him in those moments. And breakthrough often looks different, but we just need to keep praying and pressing into the Father. My third point about valleys is that we get to know God's closeness on another level. Let's be honest, when things are going well, our prayer life is maybe good, but it's not, it's not like this crying out to our Father in heaven prayer. And uh, often in the valleys, we actually get closer to God because we're more desperate for Him. We're more desperate to hear His voice. We need to get clarity on the direction forward. And I want to read out Psalm 23, verse 4. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows it's amazing that his cup overflows in a valley surely goodness surely your, your, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever and it's in those moments where david writes he says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil and, and you get to this point where you know God has been close to you in a dark moment that it comes to the end. It says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. If, if you've seen God come through in, in, the, in the roughest areas of your life, you know God's going to always be there. And, and goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. What we see in the scripture is that we see an aspect of God that we'd never have seen before if we weren't in the valley with him. God is with you in every single moment of your life, in the good times, the highs and the lows, in the valleys. The fourth point is this, 
In valleys we make decisions. I took this from Joel 3.14. It says this, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So here you have Joel who's prophesying around 500 years before Jesus came. And he was prophesying about Jesus coming. People would use the scripture as the end time scripture. But it's most likely actually talking about Jesus' death, burial and resurrection. Jesus coming and bringing a new kingdom. And it's uh, and it's, it basically just pl it places choice in front of people. And this gospel has been preached for 2,000 years. And uh, I remember when I made a decision to follow Jesus, I was quite young. I remember probably about eight years old, just making a decision to follow Jesus. I was, I was an eight-year-old in the valley of decision, but I wandered away from God for many years. And at about 17 years old, I had such a clear, uh, almost, I wouldn't say an audible voice of God, but I just sensed that God spoke to me. I'd just come back from a nightclub at my friend's house, um, and I was just lying there and I kind of semi started going back to church and I just felt God said to, me, said to me, Dan, what are you doing with your life? And it was in that moment I was able to make a decision. I phoned my friend's father. I said, listen, can you come pick me up for church tomorrow? From that moment, I committed my life to Jesus. I made a decision. I haven't been perfect like no one is, but we make these moments where we get to make a decision. And if, if that is you this morning and you're sitting there and you're like, I need to, I need to do something. I need to make a change in my life. That uh, maybe Corona has been tough on you. It's made you question a whole bunch of things. Right at the end of the meeting, we've got a little button that says, oh, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. We also have a thing called Next Steps. Click on those and a leader will get hold of you to walk you through what it means to follow Jesus, to make the greatest decision of your life. And if you look statistically over Corona times since like seven months ago, there's been a 50% increase on, on the searches of prayer online and what happens in these moments of kind of toughness world war ii world war one is that actually people start to ask big questions people start to pray more people start to seek something outside of the things that have propped them up before if you look at the alpha course we ran the alpha course which is really just an introduction to christianity and it's been incredibly fruitful across the world but the alpha registrations in the uk tripled in lockdown People are searching. People are asking deeper questions in this time. People are getting to the point where maybe they're in the valley of decision. And my fifth and final point is this. Coming from Ezekiel 47, it says, In valleys we see the water flow. And if you look behind me, there's a, there's a valley. And it's, if you look from up there, it's probably when it rains, there's like this natural river that would come down and soak the valley below. And valleys are not... All bad things. The valleys actually things grow and there's life in valleys. And it's, it's because there's water that flows down into valleys. And Ezekiel 47 verse 7 says this. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. He's talking about the river of God. It's a picture language of the, the river of God flowing from the temple in Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea. And he says this, then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever this water of, wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever it flows. Now that is obviously a, a picture language of, of God's presence and His power and the gospel and how when, when, when those things work together, it brings life. But I've been to the Dead Sea 
and it is incredibly salty. You guys would have definitely seen photos of people floating in the Dead Sea because of the high salt content. And when you think about this picture, that in the end times, God's going to have this, this river that's going to flow from the temple that could even make a, a, a something as salty as the Dead Sea full of life. And that is like, the call on your and my life is that we get to carry God's spirit into salty and dead places. We get to be the ones that bring life into, into broken places, places where, where there may have been prophesied that there couldn't be life before. As followers of Jesus, we get to bring God's spirit and his presence wherever we go. There's this amazing picture because it's water that's flowing from the temple of God. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives and, and bringing life where there has been death. And I want to end off with this scripture and it's, and I've been looking around the world at different churches and a lot of churches are, are, are preaching this scripture in this time, in this time of Corona where people are questioning things, looking at things and saying, we're calling out to our Father in heaven to come and do something. So it's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people, which is you and me, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And I just want to pray God's life over you. I ended off with the scripture that spoke about that the, that the river uh, is flowing from the temple, which is the Holy Spirit into your life. And for those of you who are feeling a little bit hopeless, maybe you feel that there's a valley of dry bones in your life, I want to just pray God's life over you this morning. So Father, we thank you for your word that does cause us to lift our eyes. It does cause us to, 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 to take our gaze off ourself and what we're walking through, and it causes us to lift our eyes on you. So Father, I just pray and I prophesy life over every single City Lights member, over their families, over their finances, over any uncertainties, over any fears that they're having, Father. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would just pour your life from your heart to theirs, Lord God. Would you just come? Would you transcend uh, into past TV screens and iPhones and all of whatever people are watching and they'll just sense your presence and your power in their lives, Lord Jesus. Would you give us enduring hearts? Would you give us just your, your presence, Lord God, that would always go before us, Father? Thank you, Lord God, that in valleys you teach us incredible things. Thank you, Lord God, that, that even though these seven months for many people has been tough, I pray, Lord God, that it would not have been wasted. I pray, Lord God, that we would go deeper into you. We'd understand your heart in deeper ways. We thank you, Father. Amen. We'll see you next week. We'll probably be back at the warehouse, but we're going to be looking at some vision stuff over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be super exciting.